Going to take a deeper dive into a deal deconstructed on a syndication deal. These are real deals, just slightly modified so that we can hide exactly what the property was uh, for privacy reasons. Now, this will also talk about the fees that you can make and money making in there. It is a blast from the past. It was recorded about two years ago, and I thought it would be helpful to put out here today. I'm gonna to be doing that continuously now for, uh, for some of the videos that I have before, uh, because they're useful. There's great content there, and I wanna make that available and help y'all. If you uh, like this content, please feel free to subscribe. It would really help me out a lot, and you'll also get notified when new videos come online. Here's what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be going back through everything that we talked about last week uh, and just a quick high level overview. And then we're going to go deeper into details such as um, how do we underwrite that property? And then once we've closed that escrow, how do we make money on it and ultimately sell the property where our money comes from? And we'll go from there. All right. So. Uh, here's my screen. This is what we talked about yesterday, basically. we And I'm going to do this very, very quick. Uh, so we, we looked at three different properties from a very high level. Uh, we looked at them through the lens of our founder investment theory, uh, the uh, underwriting, and then survey the investors. We're going to go deeper into that underwriting in just a moment. And then ultimately, we came out and at the end of the day, we said, yes, the Wilson building is a property that we would like to syndicate. Um, so we make that commitment. We put our 3% down. Um, and then this begins this process of uh, uh, where we've, we're in escrow. We've got 90 days to close it. And we've got two race truck cars going at the same time. So we've got the 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 race car of the transaction going uh, that we need to get this closed um, and the race car of syndicating it, finding investors and making sure that everything is working there. On the syndicating side, we are we form the entity. Uh, we make a choice as to which one of the SEC exceptions we do. Uh, we put our PPM together, operating agreement, subscription agreement, start marketing it build that list, lock our investors, and ultimately they latch on and give us the money and we close. Uh, meanwhile, we've done our financing and our due diligence on that side to make sure we get the money on the loan uh, in order to get to close. And then we'll go through the money part of that in just a minute. So let's go ahead and switch over to uh, my other screen. Oops. So let's go ahead and switch over to the my screen, uh, my Excel spreadsheet. So this is a uh, underwriting uh, template that I have, and this is I'm going to give I'm going to be sending this out. There's I'm going to send it out to as a uh, in a more templated form. Uh, so if there's any comments you have about what you don't like about it, you know, I'd, I'd actually be very interested to hear it uh, because I want this to be especially useful. Um, one, I'll kind of talk as I'm going about the changes that are coming to this template. Uh, so that way you, you kind of can see the direction that it's going. Uh, but this should be out. I will send out this spreadsheet itself. I'll send it out um, uh, as part of the notes for this call. And then the template itself will be coming out in the next week or two because I kind of want to pretty it up and make it a little bit better than it is. All right. So let's go ahead and um, let me make it a little bit bigger for people. So this is a underwriting spreadsheet. Um, it starts with uh, some assumptions, and I've got a lot of things in it, and not all of these things are filled out, because this can be really thought of as sort of a back-of-the-envelope calculation. And when I first get a property, these are the kinds of things that I'm thinking about doing. Um, and I, I'm doing some uh, some perspectives, and there's even some other property information in this, um, in terms of rents and things like that, uh, in just just to give you a, a quick rundown. So it makes uh, assumptions about your income and expense. 
your acquisition costs, uh, financing, um, ultimately what the costs of insurance are, how property taxes work. Uh, I will say we're in California, so I've been using the uh, property taxes really at, uh, I'm using it at a little bit of a conservative number of 1.25%, uh, which is how we work in California. Other jurisdictions are different. Uh, I would just estimate what the property taxes are going to be. And then uh, you can use this the exact same way by filling in that number. Um, what the exit looks like. And the, here we're really looking at growth factors um, and vacancy factors. Uh, what lease commissions look like, uh, what CapEx looks like, et cetera. Um, now, I, for this spreadsheet, I use this spreadsheet as a very, very quick way of underwriting a property. Uh, it's not the only way I do it. I also use another program, um, which I will... Uh, Probably if there's time, I'll get to it. Uh, that is a lot more detailed. Um, it's a property called RDCF. It's similar to Argus. I think it's a lot easier than Argus if you've heard of that. Um, and it it basically lets you get into much more detail and much more creative solutions. But this is going to give you the basic idea of whether it's, it's even worth trying to syndicate this property or not. So we have an in input screen, and uh, basically what we're doing is we're out, we're we're spitting out uh, three reports. So we're going to be spitting out a syndicator summary, an investor summary, a property summary, and then a bunch of other uh, things which are useful as attachments into your PPM. Uh, I would not give the syndicator summary. That's more internal to see if it's worth doing. Um, so the we've got different inputs here. I don't use a lot of these um, except uh, the purchase price, uh, down payments, things like that are useful. And then this other income we are going to use here. So the best place I think to start with everything is what my mentor taught me. And what he taught me was that the everything is uh, uh is the comes from the lease. So the lease is the king of the of the deal. So let's uh go ahead and put here is the um just a quick uh rent roll that comes from the OM on this property. So this was an older property. I've updated the dates and everything, so you'll notice that on the dates. Um and it basically is showing you everything that we need to know. So I take all of this data here in my lease abstracts, and I start just applying it into my uh, into my spreadsheet. So you'll see, I've basically done that here. I've put down the different types of tenants because I want to understand the tenant mix. Well, I put the size down. Uh, for base rent, I'm use, I decided to go with the convention of dollars per square foot per year because most of the people in uh, except in California use that convention. So we are going to use that convention as well. But feel free to change this to whatever your purposes are. This is base rent per month. Um, and then other income is for camps. Now, I don't have per unit cam charges here. Uh, so what I've done is I've actually applied that into the uh, the NOI, and we'll get to that in a minute. But basically, I wanted to basically verify that I've got, you know, the same number of square feet that are uh, that's being advertised, which is the $14.99. I wanted to make sure, see what my... Uh, what my average rent was, uh, what my average monthly rent was, and ultimately I could see what what those are as well. Now I can also use this vacancy if I had a vacancy, you know, here uh, I could change my equation to basically create my my vacancy factor. So out of this, I've got a a base rent that is. Um, uh, so now I've got my base rent, and this goes into our NOI. And this is why this property is, uh, why this spreadsheet is not quite as flexible as, say, a, uh, a property that we would be 
um, syndicating. And if I would say it's less strategic, let me put it that way. For example, I may see that uh, in this particular deal, I remember that there was something specific that was happening with the sandwich shop uh, with uh, when its lease was expiring, that they were way under market rent for what they had, um, especially given the fact they put in a lot of TIs and they put in a... Um, a hood, uh, this this dollar amount was just low. So they were due for a substantial increase. Uh, and then there's also some other submarket rents. Uh, I mean, $15 a, a square foot for that space is, is not, not appropriate for a print shop. Um, so there was going to be a considerable amount of rent boosts. There was also going to be changes in what we do with the cell tower, maybe, or the billboard. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as uh, once the property's going. But this is the going in just, is this worth it uh, idea? And it's always, this is always a game of bouncing back and forth between what is, what you can do, how you can get the numbers to be the way that you want them to without, you know, without lying, uh, but ways of saying, what are those levers that I need to pull in order to change the investment? So ultimately, we're coming up with a pro forma of operating the investment. And we'll do a much, much deeper dive in a, just in a recorded session on building out pro formas and underwriting as well. Um, We'll do a multifamily, we'll do uh, retail, uh, we'll do a development piece, um, and maybe something else if somebody else has any anything that they want us to do uh, about how to basically build out this pro forma and, and get the, the most out of it. Uh, so let's go through the numbers real quick here to kind of understand what we're doing. All we've done, because what we're trying to do is get that back of the, uh, that that napkin bar napkin uh, overview is we're just taking the the potential rental income of this place fully occupied uh, per the rent roll, so it's the same dollar amount times twelve, uh, and then taking the other income that's coming from here, so that's coming from the cell tower and the billboard, uh, and then we get at the end of the day we get our gross retail uh, or rental income. Now, we always apply a, a vacancy cost and a credit cost. Now, if you're doing a very detailed underwriting, you're, it's going to be kind of baked in, um, but you, to the extent of vacancy, but you're, you'll have maybe still some sort of number for credit loss. And uh, so right here, we're just using 10% to be conservative. Maybe vacancy in the area is 5%. So you decided 10% was a reasonable number to do it. And don't worry again, if I'm going too fast, we're gonna have a much, much deeper dive on underwriting in general. Uh, so once you've subtracted out the vacancy and credit loss, we get the effective rental income. Uh, and then we add in that other income. Other income is not included because it is not part of the potential rental income that's uh, that's affected by vacancy. So that's why it's separate down here. And then we get our gross operating income. Um, so all we've done for that is calculate the growth of our, our rents in our rent roll. So we've just, in this scenario, we've just said everybody's on a 3% uh, rental increase. And then a same thing with the other, with the billboard and the cell tower, that these are on 3%. So those are right here, um, uh, the that growth, and then other growths. What we're doing is just seeing is if everybody stayed and if everybody had 3% rent increases, what does this look like? Um, so then we come to our operating expenses. Uh, I again, this is in a particular order that I like. Uh, I do have a um, we have one recording that's in the knowledge library either now or it will be very, very shortly, like in a day or two, uh, on on how to do this portion of it, how to go through the property uh, details um, 
So property uh, taxes, insurance management, I have a particular order I like to do these things in. Um, electric and gas, water. Now, this is a triple net property. And so we, we've we also included that number in, I'm sorry. So I included that number here under other rental income. So these are the CAM charges that we got from the from the OM that was provided to us uh, that we were looking at. Um, so basically we take these at the end of the day, we've got uh, $81,000 which is a 24% um, margin, which is really quite healthy. Um, and then we, at the end of the day, have a net operating income of 262,924. Now, I actually did massage these numbers down a little bit, uh, not the operating expenses. I, I massaged down the, um, the operating incomes uh, from what they were in reality, just to make it a little bit simpler. Uh, and so, that's where we're at. So now we've got that operating income. And now we really need to figure out, okay, so we've got all that. Now, what is, how much money is actually coming in? So as a very quick refresher, we have, uh, we always have uh, two kinds of things. We have uh, everything that takes place above the line and everything that takes place below the line. So everything that takes place above the line are these things that ultimately come to NOI. And we say that they are above the line because everybody is going to incur these costs. Any reasonable uh, real estate owner is going to incur this. Now, things that are below the line are considered discretionary. And so things that are below the line are ultimately gets us our cash flow after taxes, which we'll show. Uh, but for the most part, I don't actually use cash flow after taxes as a syndicator uh, because my investors may have different tax positions than uh, than I do or that I'm forecasting. Uh, I do put it here just as because it's easy to calculate and uh, why not? Uh, but really what I actually am concerned with is getting to this cash flow before taxes. So to get there, we take our net operating income, we subtract out our annual debt payment. Uh, uh, and that is because uh, you know debt service is not something that everybody has to do. I've owned properties with debt, I've owned properties without debt. Um, it, it is not a mandatory thing. So that's why it is a below the line cost. Uh, participation payments are pretty rare. We'll leave that out. Uh, lease commissions here again is an example about how this is a quick estimate because all we're doing here is we're saying, look, it's gonna be, uh, we're gonna take that vacancy factor of 10% and we're gonna just apply the 6% leasing commission across there. It's just setting a, a very normal uh, level playing field on what it would be uh, for just to get a quick calculation at the end of the day. Uh, same thing with CapEx, we did it down here. Uh, I just put in $20 a square foot. You may agree or disagree. Um, it's whatever you think it is, you can put in your own number there. Uh, likewise, you can stage this out over different years. Uh, I'd like to just use a quick calculation on this to give me an idea. Oops. Um, funded reserves. Uh, we started this with a, if you remember, in the very in the yes in last week's call with a fifty thousand uh, dollar reserve account that we were funding. And it's a good idea to keep adding to funded reserves uh, just as a piggy bank. And that you can come up with whatever calculation you think makes sense here. 1% of NOI uh, is pretty normal. 2% is normal. I wouldn't do substantially more unless uh, until it gets up to uh, unless you need it to get up to a certain dollar amount, 50,000 for this property is reasonable. Um, and there's different metrics you can do in order to get determined what you think is the, the best amount of the, your fund of reserves. Uh, your asset management fee is 1%. Uh, 
And 1% is a very normal amount for an asset management fee. Uh, so that's why we use that. And uh, I also forgot to mention that this property management fee, I decided to mark at 3.5%. I know in this building, it was marked at 2.5%. Uh, I wanted to mark it up a little bit because 2.5% is awfully low and the leases actually would have supported even going up to 4 Um but uh, there was no particular need to add uh, that additional cost. Uh, so at the end of the day, when you subtract out all these things out of your net operating income, you get your cash flow before taxes. And then what I like to do is then take uh, my cash flow before the, the my cash flow before taxes per share. So this comes from the investor summary. And we looked at it just a dif different presentation of this last week. It's not substantially different. So let's go through this and we'll circle back to where everything plugs in. So ultimately you've got a property. I like to start at acquisition. You've got a property that you're buying. Uh, you know you can buy it at 3.3. Uh, you've decided that a reserve account of $50,000 is appropriate for this property in order to do it. It's, they're all triple net leases. It shouldn't be too expensive. It's, it's a pretty high demand area. Um, so you're not expecting a huge amount in terms of TIs or, or additional costs. 50,000 should be appropriate. Cost of startup is your costs that include your filing fees, uh, your SEC fees, things like that. Uh, your cost of financing. This is uh, your points that you're paying on as part of the deal. I like to leave this in here, even though it actually comes in at the loan cost. I think it actually helps explain it a little bit better uh, because you, you actually do have significant costs just to, in order to obtain that, and then it still gets baked in. So your cost of financing may include things like your cost to uh, either for referral fees, if you're using a broker dealer, uh, that will cover some of those costs, your costs of, of uh, like loan acquisition, your appraisals, things like that, that are going to be necessary in order to do that. Uh, your acquisition fee is uh, this, in this scenario, this is just your brokerage fee. So this is $66,000. It's just a 2% fee on one side. And uh, I have not baked that into, there could be an additional acquisition fee. So these are the numbers that you're playing around with in order to get this internal rate of return ultimately, or this uh, average rate of return kind of balancing out. Because as you move these numbers around, so as you move around your, your total cost to fund it, so you'll see that that this cell, cell N4, N25 or uh, N45 is not included. So it's just money that you're assuming is going to go into your pocket, which you could invest as an investor, if you will. Uh, but for this sheet, I didn't do it that way. Um, and so this cost to fund is this projected return. So you're offering this, this 1237 shares. I almost always encourage people to do the dollars per share at $1,000 a share. It's an easy number to work with. Um, as long if you're doing a, a simple things like not a blind pool, $1,000 a share works. If you're doing a blind pool, probably $100 a share. Um, but most of you are going to not be doing blind pools at first. Uh, so the number of offered shares is 1237. And that's just the number of shares that you're putting out on the market that you're looking to for investors for. Because ultimately, you're looking to raise this 1237. That's not the number of shares that you're actually that are actually in the investment. So in this scenario, we're doing roughly uh, 10%. We're doing um, uh, so we're actually doing 11% more. Uh, this number could be as high as 20, uh, but when I was calculating it with 20%, it made the return for the, uh, for the syndicator terrific. It just mushed the internal rate of return down to a point where I didn't think it was that great. Um, and my feel was it, it just 
should have been a little bit better for this property. I wanted it somewhere around 15, 16, 17, and it is. Uh, so ultimately, I was trying to drive there. This is your an estimated annual distribution. And this is, we have it both in total and cost per share. And that comes from that, um, this cash flow before taxes. So this, I like to say it's, it's year one because it increases each year, right? Because cash flow before taxes hopefully is increasing every year with rent uh, increases, uh, which ultimately gives us a return that does not include disposition. So all we're doing here is we're taking the average of our cash flow before taxes, and then we are uh, dividing that by the share uh by the amount of dollars that they put in, which is the cost per share. So that is uh, is 6.29%. Uh, six, uh, 6 uh, your internal rate of return then is the, uh, well, first we need to use to our disposition before we get to internal rate of return. And again, we'll go through these in a lot more detail, but I don't want to be boring people with, uh, with internal rate of return uh, calculations. Uh, for the people who already have, uh, who've already got it, uh, the people who don't, that's great. We can certainly go through it. We'll go through it in great detail um, and uh, uh, they'll be in video. So don't worry, we will cover everything you need to know. And if there's something that's not being covered, just ask. Um, so our disposition sales price, we're, we just are calculating that based on, we th we're buying this at an eight cap, Based on how the property positions itself and what we know we are capable of doing, uh, we know that we could get a um, we could get probably get this down to a seven and a half cap. Uh, you you look at it different ways, and we'll also build the spreadsheet out so you can like alternate between which scenario you're going to use because this has a substantial impact on your. Um, on your uh, rate of return. But let's say we can get it at a seven and a half cap with those regular rent increases. Uh, that basically brings it down to almost $4.1 million of the sales price. Uh, obviously there's a cost to sell it. This is at, this is using a 6% cost of sale, which means a nice size broker fee uh, that will be offered on both ends. Uh, there uh, we have to pay off the loan uh, which leaves us at the end of the day of proceeds of $1.944 million. Uh, there's also this funded reserve account. Oops, that's not correct. So that needs to be fixed. So this, this is also a good example as you go through where you will see that there is um, uh, there is something that's not right. Because either you went through it and uh, you put things in that, or, and this is going to change your internal rate of return as well. So uh, funded reserves is this $50,000 plus we've been making contributions. Um, uh, here. Okay, much more reasonable number. And see, that dropped our internal rate of return down to 13%. I'm glad I made that mistake because that highlights exactly part of the process itself. Is you may have decided, I want really, I want to get 15% of this. And so I need to find a way in order to get that improved. So how can we do that? So there are a few levers in order to do that. We need to either increase income you know, or increase cash flow at the end of the day, or we need to decrease the um, the cost per share. And in this case, that probably means just less shares that are out there in the world. So uh, how I would do that would be, I would first look at my NOI and I would say, okay, well, how can I do that? Since Since the current management fees are kind of a set cost, um, you know, uh, that I'm getting, 
we could reduce this to two percent. Uh, say we reduce this to three percent. Now we're not going to see a major difference uh, because it's broken out amongst all the tenants, um, and ultimately we've got a, you know a two thousand dollar a month drop. But let's see the the impact. So we got a one percent impact there. Uh, I would want to get at least a little bit more. Uh, and so I probably would do that by reducing the costs of my uh, I would do it by, say, pumping back my well, I think the first thing I would look at is what would happen if I pumped back in my part of my fee here. So let's remember what I'm doing here. I'm doing I'm I'm cutting my fee in half, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that into the property itself uh, in order to do that. And what that's going to do is it's oops, it's going to reduce the costs. Uh, that this is uh, 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 plus, let's add that. So now I'm reducing that total cost. Now it's not going to reduce everything yet because we need, this will be now equal to, um, uh, 1204. And then this, remember, I wanted at really just 10% higher. Uh, to give me a, a rough ballpark. Now, I probably brought my return down just a little bit. Uh, let's see, what where's our actual number? Now uh, we can do it this way. Let's increase. So I'm still at 14 and a half percent. All right, I I probably can accept that. Um, I would like fifteen ideally, but I probably I know that I've got some things I'm going to be doing with all of these tenants that's going to bump that up. And so, for a very quick uh, summary, what I would do is I would first say, okay, that's what it's going to be for right now, and then uh, this is just my go forward analysis, and I probably would use this. Uh, for uh, to start marketing and just say, look, I there's a lot of juice left in this property. This is being exceptionally conservative. We're going to get that number up to, you know, 16, 17%, I think, um, through some different value-added techniques uh, that will drive that, that return up. Uh, so that's how we would do it. So I'm glad we found this error because that is going to highlight exactly what we need to do here. And so this is our property. Now this screws everything up because that's now. So let's say I kept, uh, I don't need a negative one, that's the problem. Uh, let's say I kept a, um, this is pulling from the wrong field. <coughs> Somebody's doing that. Uh, so now we've got uh, this. We've got the projected returns here. This is what we're promising investors. Now this is part of our profit. Uh, this is our money here. So we got the brokerage fee that we've decided we're not going to put back into the property, and that's the thirty-three thousand dollars. So the the total of sixty-six. Half of it's going in. Half uh, half of it's going into our pocket. Or you could choose to buy up shares. Whatever. In this calculation, we're not buying up shares. The we decide we're going to be doing distributions every twelve months. We've got the asset management fee, which is calculated on that um, over here. 
uh, asset management fee. And then we've got our property management fees still, and then our ownership distributions. And this is based entirely on the spreadsheet in investor summary, based on this spread of how many shares are owned. So when we do this deal, so we can expect every month, we're gonna basically be getting, um, this is only in the wrong number because of that, uh, this is wrong. Uh, so every 12 months, we are going to be getting this money and it's going to be increasing. This is really only for year one. We're going to be getting $3,300. Pretty good. At the time of sale, we also have money coming in, right? We've got the sales price that we've already determined. And we've got a brokerage fee of 3% that we've already baked in, which is a commission of 123630 so this has our um, this has the amount of money that we're making uh, every quarter or every term. This is incorrect. Uh, this is uh, to calculate essentially our net present value, and I'll fix that calculation here. Now, why do we do net present value and why is this calculation off? Uh, we do net present value to see if it's worth our time to uh, uh, to basically do this and do this investment. Here we're, we're going to be $33,000 uh, down. I'm just calculating based on very quick numbers um, uh, to get what the, the value is. And all I'm getting here is not that I need to get calculate my disposition share cost as well. Um, but we'll see that if my net present value is approaching zero, I need to really think long and hard if it's worth it for me to syndicate it. Every dollar that's over it is, is, uh, is, being, is discounting the money that I'm getting at 10% return, which is great for my time that I've put in. So that, that might be a little confusing right now, and we'll go over that in more detail in, um, in the underwriting section, because it kind of goes, we need to have a long talk about IRR, and then we can talk about it, uh, net present value. So basically though, this is a property that you're gonna make a lot of money on. Your investors you think is like are likely to be able to get up to 15%, 16%, 17%, maybe definitely below 20, but you know, you're certainly going to be able to pop it up. Uh, and we'll go into some more details on uh, on how we add value in just a minute. But first, are there any specific questions about this underwriting portion, knowing that we went very fast uh, and that we'll cover it in much, much more detail? Not all at once. Well, I mean, we're gonna be able to get a copy of the, the file, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes on Workplace um, by the uh, um, today. I mean, it's here it is. So, okay. Yeah. And certainly, if you have any questions on that or how do you calculate that, this or, or anything like that, your questions are more than welcome. Um, just post on, post on workplace is probably the easiest place because then I can answer it a little bit quicker. All right. So, let's go ahead and talk about another portion of this. So, let's stop the share. And I'll share something else. Let's go back to my whiteboard. Okay. Let's see. All right. So here we are. We've closed the property, and now we've got a basic. Uh, we've got some underwriting. So what do we need to do now? We've promised investors a few things. So promise. So we've promised them uh, monthly distributions. Now you can distribute monthly, you can distribute annually, you can distribute quarterly, you can do whatever you want. Uh, monthly is kind of a pain, um, but it's, you know, in a sense, it makes more sense than quarterly if 
there's a lot of things going on and your cash flow make make more sense if it's monthly as well because i think it's generally easier to do everything at once um especially if you're the property manager from all expenses of the property and all of the expenses and distributions of the investment so expenses of the investment is your uh if you have taxes that uh, and accounting fees you're paying uh, and your asset management fees um so I think it makes most sense to do it monthly. Uh, it does not make any sense. And it is horrifically awful to have everybody on a different schedule. I've done it and it's horrible. Uh, so get them all on the same schedule. Most people are good with monthly. Um, the only people who may have a problem with monthly is people using their SEP IRA. Um and we can go into that detail when we have, we'll have another vendor call about uh, SEP IRAs. Uh, so let's go through this. So how, what do we do? First, every month now we are making a distribution and you are sending them a report. Uh, I have a template for reports. There is also a very detailed walkthrough of the reports in the uh, knowledge library. If it's not there today, it'll be there this week uh, on exactly how we do these updates. Uh, basically, I'll give you a very, very high level view uh, of what we are of what we go through. What we're really looking for is we're looking for your uh, to give them a. Oops, first I like to give them uh, picks. You know, a couple pictures of the property and date the, date the pictures so that way they know uh, that you are keeping an eye on it. July 1. Uh, then I like to have sort of a whoops, cash flow summary. Oops. Uh, a notable expenses. Then there's detail under here. Um, then there is your occupancy. Summary, uh, there is a discussion of any rent delinquencies. We talk about the reserves, because that's their money. And they won't forget it. Uh, so that talks about how much is in reserves. And then a um, investment overview. And here I'm giving just some more metrics about the investment as a whole. And then I break it down into even more specific key investor metrics. This is basically how well their investment is performing, um, different yields, and then a summary. So what I'm trying to do is I'm sending them this email every month and it's very simple once you've built basically a template for yourself to just plug all these numbers in and if you're doing your own property management or there or you're having it done for you most of this number is going to come directly from them anyway and so it it's very very quick to to plug it in and your investors will always know what's going on nobody's going to object to seeing this every month so this will make them feel much more comfortable um, so these things are going on all the time, right? So every month we're doing this. Now, at the same time, we're look, we're doing a few different things, and there are other things that are in the core that are that we are continuously looking at. We're always looking at what I call the three options, which are, you know, hold, refinance or uh, sell. We are always looking for value add opportunities. 
And in this, in the case of Wilson, we know we've got a uh, a, uh, a cell tower and a billboard. Those may be value add opportunities for us. So those would probably bear a stronger look at. Now, it isn't necessarily that a value add isn't always going to be, you know, retenanting or restriping. What you're doing with a value add, really the goal is to get the cash in your investor's hand quicker, as, po- as quickly as possible. Now, if you think that you can sell your cell tower or your billboard or both, um, to a good buyer, and they do exist, people who just buy those, uh, then maybe you want to sell that at the very beginning and return a huge amount of money back into your investors' hands in order to uh, in order to give them that money sooner, which means your IRR is going to go up. Because as you go down this T-bar of IRR, you know, you've got your negative 1000, you know, you've got dollars amount here. And then ultimately here you have your dollar amount plus your disposition. The larger you make this money sooner, the, the sooner you give them this money, the, the larger your uh, internal rate of return is going to be, which means your, your performance is generally going to be better. You, if you can say, look, investors, we made you a 25% return. It's true, you did. You made them a 25% return or annualized over the course of the investment by giving them that money sooner. So uh, that is another portion on this particular deal that I would think is a value-add opportunity. Uh, there were also others such as uh, changing the way tenants work, uh, upping rents and uh, things like that. And I know we're not going to have time to go in detail on like how to do that in this particular call, uh, but we can go over that in, I'll show you the, the tool that I like to use, uh, maybe on the next call if people want to see that. And then um, ultimately we are, so we're looking for, you know, our options. Do we hold, do we sell, do we refi? We're managing that property. This is their asset management piece. And this is our asset management piece. These are the two biggest parts of asset management besides that communication. So that is what's taking place under all this, all of these um, is we are managing the asset. Ultimately, you're going to decide, okay, it's time to sell. Uh, most of you will put that final decision in voter hands, and there is a video also in the knowledge library about uh, how you actually do a vote. Um, it's right now it is located in within the uh, operations uh, of the core section and in the it's in the communication subsection of operations, uh, but there will also be an additional one that's under the exit because ultimately we need to make a decision on selling. And there's a template that we have also for you on how you gather the votes and starts off first. Do you have 51? Do you need 51% of the votes? Do you need 75% of the vote? Whatever that number is, you make a case for how you would make that determination and then you put it out there to vote. If enough people to, uh, vote to sell, then you sell the property. Uh, you, uh, Circling back on the question that we often get is, yes, you can take brokerage fees on this. And that is, uh, you can take your brokerage fee if you want for the sale of the property, regardless of if you have, uh, I believe, regardless if, if you have a license in that state, because you are acting in the interest of an asset manager, not a broker in that context. And you can tell escrow to pay you accordingly. Um, and so as long as it's been disclosed that you'll be doing that in your PPM, you'll be fine. And then we go to, um, you'll go to sell and you will run the transaction just like you do any other transaction. You will market it. You know, ultimately you'll choose a buyer 
I would give yourself when you're voting uh, some leeway on how you would make a decision for it and have a rational basis for that you can explain on why you would choose a, uh, a particular buyer. We talk about that in the in the core as well. And that is, you know, on a part of the exit and market section. Um, so choose a buyer and then you're just making sure that all your due diligence and disclosures are done. And then it closes. Once it closes, you are now in this interim period where you need to finalize everything. So this is the finalized section of the exit part of the core. Um, and under finalize, what we're really looking at doing from the assets point of view is we're looking at taking that distribution or paying off any uh, extra costs. And this oftentimes is paying off, uh, you know, your final accountant, your final tax bill, making sure that's done, making sure everybody's up on their taxes so that everything can just take place seamlessly. Uh, and then you uh, distribute, you give a final report to your investors and, uh, and then you close the entity. When you're doing this final report, you're of course, you know, doing your, your investor relations as well to try and encourage them to invest in other things with you. And that is the basic property uh, process of what we do. And so I will also include uh, the quick spreadsheets that I have for uh, calculating the um, exit this share. Uh, I will distribute this one as well. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, that basically has you know, uh, a quick way of, of calculating what, uh, who your investors are, uh, what the distributions look like, things like that. Uh, so that way you can see, you know, how you can keep track of your monthly distributions or your, your monthly distribution amounts. And ultimately you can use that same sheet to calculate what your final dispositions uh, look like. Mm -hmm.